lads, three countries, one vertex. Welcome to the Academia Vertex. Today's Saturday, June 23rd, as we get set for day 10 of the 2018 World Cup from Russia. I'm your host, Stephen. You can find me at Six Goal on Twitter. And this is episode two of the Vertex as the podcast kicked up at the uh, start of the World Cup. Joining me for today's shows are the three lads who hosted that first show. Say hello to Varun, Aditya, and Chris. Varun, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Stephen. I'm doing very well. Hoping uh, this pod is better than before. It takes time, right? Experience time. We'll get through it. I'm not worried. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Aditya? Yep, I'm fine. Uh, it's actually raining here a lot. So I don't know if there might be some disturbances at the back. So I'm just hoping everything goes well. I think it will. And finally, uh, FPLFC. Say hello to Chris. Hey, guys. I'm doing really well. Really looking forward to the, um, the games today. And yeah. Looking forward yeah. to doing this podcast today. Yeah, before we get into today's action, I thought we'd recap some of what happened in uh, round two. Um, I think one of the surprise teams so far of the uh, tournament has been Russia, the uh, Russian roulette, as I uh, dubbed it. They've got eight goals so far in the World Cup, led by three midfielders who uh, are outscoring all other midfielders. Uh, Varun, you have any thoughts on how Russia has been doing and what we can expect from them in their third and final game uh, against Uruguay? Uh, according to me, Russia really, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, they weren't expected to do that well. And uh, I'm really surprised I didn't expect them to get out of the group. I, uh, For my prediction, I thought Uruguay and Egypt would get out of the group. But, you know, you can never underestimate the advantage, the home advantage. And, you know, one can say the turning point of uh, Russia's World Cup could well be Zagoyev's injury and introduction of Denis uh, Cheryshev because he has been uh, truly fantastic in both the games. Yeah, you're right. He's scored uh, 20 points so far through two games. Um, Aditya, do you look at having Cheryshev or Golovin or even Gazinski on your team for the uh, third and final round against Uruguay? Uh, no, I wouldn't go. I guess Uruguay will just try to just drop the game, so mostly do a total of defense. So, I'm not pretty much impressed with most of them because they don't lack... I mean, they don't have a lot of consistency in the sense Golovin performed well in the first game and then he just kind of disappeared. But the one guy in particular, we could have a look at Denis Sherchev who scored three goals now. So, he could be their important player now. Chris, let's go over to Portugal. They're powered by CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo. A 1-0 win against uh, Morocco. Were you impressed with Portugal's performance? Well, on a defensive standpoint... Yes, but not not much on a attacking and midfielding aspect. But they did really well to um, manage the game to get the win because Morocco were really well, and it's very unlucky on them not to get the win. Yeah, uh, Ronaldo's got four goals through two games, and uh, Portugal's got four points uh, sitting atop Group B with Spain. Speaking of Spain, they also had a 1-0 win. Uh, in the second round. And, you know, both these teams had big uh, – they each scored three goals against each other in the first round. Spain comes back. And uh, do you think they under-impressed uh, Varun in their uh, 1-0 win against uh, Iran? Uh, for me, I think uh, we'd have to give more credit uh, to Iran than, you know, uh, take away from Spain because they were still passing it really well. But, you know, uh, when they play teams like uh, Iran, when – uh, the thing with Iran is when they play with other Asian countries, they are normally the favorites. So they they are the ones having a lot of possession and playing it around. So they normally have confidence while playing with the ball. And they 
definitely showed that against Spain. Didn't didn't have a lot of ball, a lot of the ball, but when they did, they were quite confident on it. So, I think I'd rather give credit to Iran than take it away from Spain. So, okay, that's acceptable. Love um, Aditya. So you have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Diego Costa. They have Iran and Morocco on the final two games here. Do you start either of those players? Yes, uh, they are the leading goal scorers for the respective teams. So the managers would prefer to start them. Since they are just on four points, if Iran even, you know, surprise everybody and beat Portugal, then, you know, everything turns around very quickly. That it does. And uh, one of the South American teams that's still looking pretty good in the tournament is Uruguay. I mean, they sink the Saudis 1-0. Varun, have you been impressed with uh, Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani so far? Do you think Uruguay has enough to uh, make it to the uh, round of 16 and beyond? Uh, I do think uh, they already are two to the round of 16. But, you know, with Uruguay, you just can't call because Uruguay are really a very, very inconsistent team, uh, irrespective of the opposition. Sometimes they play like they're world beaters. The other time, they're really lazy and uh, all over the place. So, we just can't call with Uruguay. Uh, but uh, I think the first game that they played against Egypt, uh, it wasn't Luis Suarez's day. He had a lot of chances. And on any other day, he would have scored a couple at least. So I don't think we need to go that that uh, that much and say they don't didn't uh, they aren't going to have a big influence because they are the main players at the end of the day. So I do think uh, they can at least realistically think of a quarterfinal finish at least. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, Chris, have you been convinced by France? They uh, win one nil over Peru, who is arguably the best winless team in the competition. Uh, they have a lot of talent on that team, yet they also left a lot of talent at home. Uh, what do you see France doing in the, in the remaining game they have with Denmark on the uh, 26th? Well, I feel like their their approach isn't to be like a 5-0 each game. They're just trying to get the win and the three points just to to advance. So it's just um, I see them doing the same. I see like a 2-0, 1-0 again. Yeah, it seems to be there's there's a lot of games that have gone that way. We had a lot of, you know, I just looking this last week, we had a lot of 1-0 wins in, in matches we thought we'd see bigger scores. Portugal-Morocco 1-0, Spain-Iran 1-0, Uruguay-Saudi Arabia 1-0. You know, I think all those games, especially fantasy managers, expected bigger points from from their start, and it just never materialized. Everyone, do you think that uh, a lot of teams are just doing that, taking that 1-0 win, sitting back and uh, – just hoping to get the three points to move out of the group stage into the into the knockout rounds. Again, I don't think it's about the teams that are getting the wins, but the teams that are, that are restricting the uh, so-called bigger teams from doing that. Because uh, when you see uh, a lot of these teams were uh, solid defensive teams during uh, qualifying as well. Sweden, uh, you can say they did very well in qualifying. They didn't let Italy score in two games uh, on aggregate and. Uh, similarly, Morocco didn't concede a single goal in the last round of qualifying. Same with Iran, a couple of goals in like 10 games. So these teams are really solid at the back and they did put a lot of men behind the ball. So this was there wasn't a lot of space for those kind of teams. And a lot of the teams, they didn't get the goals early enough because when you get the goals early, that's when you can build upon it. And when you leave it late, they're normally one nils or about that. So... That that's probably the reason for it. Yeah, speaking of uh, leaving it late, how about Brazil? They needed some points, and uh, thanks to Neymar and Coutinho, they did get the uh, win 2-0 uh, against Costa Rica. 
But are we impressed? Uh, two ninety plus minute injury time goals from Brazil. Are are they the, the true favorite here in the World Cup, or should we be looking elsewhere for a a future champion this season? Chris, I'll throw it to you. What what do you think about Brazil? Yes or no? Um, very much yes. Um, they pushed through the whole game and they just kept going a hundred percent throughout the whole match, and that just shows like the qualities of a champion. And I enjoyed the game because I had Coutinho captain. And As did I. <laughs> fellow owner. But um, it takes like real, like you saw the emotion on Neymar's face, how much that wind went, like meant to him. So for them to like pull through and to last the whole game and get the win at the end, it will only make them stronger going into the third game and into the round of 16 and further. How about Argentina? They have a man named Messi. Is he a goat or is he still the greatest of all time? Uh, what do you think, Varun? Uh, a goat or greatest of all time for Messi? Uh, I I still think he's one of the greatest players of all time, if not. But you know, uh, it's not how you play, how you look, how you dribble, and uh, how you are easy in the eye. At the end of the day, what really matters is what games you win, what titles you win, what championships you win, and he has won a lot of games, a lot of titles with Barcelona, but he never seemed to have done it with his country. And many people often say that at Barca, he had a super team alongside him, Xavi, Iniesta, and, uh, you know, those kinds of players. But you can say uh, Argentina didn't have too bad a team themselves. It, it often goes to the management as well as the players. And Messi, still one of the greatest players, but we can't really say he's the greatest of all time. He has to prove it at all stages, at all levels. He has to at least show some uh, some inspiration to his teammates, help his teammates, uh, you know, uh, go up to the next level. And it just isn't looking that way at the moment. Iceland, they're the uh, world's blue-collar team. I mean, from a small country, um, all their players seemingly have another job outside of playing football, except for basically Sigurdsson. Uh, they lost to Nigeria, so they'll need a little help from Argentina and a uh, win against Croatia. You think Iceland has a chance to get out of Group D? What do you think of uh, Iceland so far? Right? They got a draw and a loss, sitting on one point just outside the uh, qualification. Do you think they can uh, have a shot against Croatia? Well, by the by the way that I've, um, Croatia have been going, really not. But Iceland are a team that have like a lot of spirit. In the within the team and the fans are like really a twelfth, twelfth man to them. So that's very true. Yes. So like even like when you saw in the one-one draw with Argentina, like they pushed together and they played for each other, and they, I'm pretty sure they can do that again as well. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. I see it. Oh, yeah. No, they've. I think they've surprised with uh, what they've done so far. Gotten points that maybe they some. Of, People didn't expect them to get, but yeah, they've had a pretty impressive showing so far. So we have six uh, games this weekend. Uh, We kick off today with uh, Belgium, Tunisia, followed by Korea and Mexico, Germany, Sweden, England, and Panama. On Sunday, we have Japan and Senegal, Poland, and Colombia. Varun, any of the uh, matchups today impress you? Is there anybody you're looking forward to seeing? I think I look forward to seeing the South Korea-Mexico game because... Uh, they don't. They aren't the biggest of sides, but Mexico did perform really well against Germany, and they are a fast side uh, in attack, and they create a lot of chances. 
normally don't score a lot of them, but they create a lot of chances. And South Korea lost their first game, so they will have to come out of their shell too. So I'm expecting a fair few goals in that one. Uh, Chris, do you think Germany turns it around against Sweden uh, today? Um, yes, I do. Because they'll come in looking for a win and they'll throw everything to get the win so they can still have a chance. But there's also a chance that Sweden just um, parks a bus and Germany get eliminated, which would be like worst case scenario. I don't see it happening. But anything can happen. And finally, uh, Vern, England-Panama. Uh, does uh, England have anything to prove after uh, they beat Tunisia uh, 2-1 to start the uh, tournament? I think the only thing England need to prove is they can batter teams as well. Because normally when we talk about England, we talk about 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. Can they go on and beat someone 4-0? That's the only thing England need to prove at this moment. Because I do think they have the quality to make the semifinals. And with the teams that were expected to play England in those round of 16 and quarterfinals not doing so well, they could have an easier road to the semifinals. A bigger win would just give them that confidence to just go on into that Belgium game and just try to win it and win the group. Uh, Sunday, as I said, we have Japan and Senegal, Poland and Colombia. Um, looking at the uh, Group H table, it looks a bit upside down, as uh, I expected Colombia and Poland to be on top, but we see Japan and Senegal. Uh, Chris, Colombia, did they get a bum rap with that red card after uh, the VAR review? Um, from what I saw, it was, it was a straight red uh... I'm not sure if it would be a straight red, but like it's definitely, a... and it really like put them down for the rest of the game. So yeah. you can't really do anything like ten men, and then Hamas Rodriguez, that star player, not even like playing. He played like twenty minutes, but like nothing to influence the game too much. Yeah, I think so that was. A... Uh, sorry, I think that was the biggest surprise not seeing uh, Hamas Rodriguez on the pitch. Uh, he was on my team and. I was shocked that he did not start that game. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he had like a little injury. All right, so we got some good games to uh, finish out round two. We'll talk about uh, round three here in just a bit. Um, so far, we've had uh, basically a round and a half. Uh, we've seen 58 goals over 26 matches. That comes out to about 2.23 goals per match. 73 yellow cards and one red card. Uh, have Varun, have you been impressed by any of the teams to date? be it good or bad? Uh, I think uh, uh, Germany are really surprised uh, because they they didn't look like performing in that game. They didn't look like scoring in that game. Uh, it, sometimes you don't win a game, you're unlucky or something, but they didn't uh, really perform that well. On the other hand, I, I'm really impressed with Brazil, even though uh, their results, first one they drew and the second one they just about nicked it. But in the first game, like for the first 30-35 minutes, they were playing like champions. They were working the ball about well and they were creating loads of chances. It can be given credit to Switzerland that they were able to manage the game after that. But I think Brazil are probably the favorites uh, till now for me. Yeah, as long as there are no injuries hit their squad. Yeah, I, I completely agree that Brazil's still in the driver's seat for this uh, World Cup. Aditya, which teams have surprised you so far through a round and a half? Uh, surprise so far is the host nation Russia. I mean, I mean, I really didn't expect them to going uh, 
now they're going to the round of 16 also so i didn't expect them at all to go i was favoring egypt along with uruguay so i just want to see how far russia will go this tournament and chris uh, what teams have showed good heart uh, good ball control good uh, attacking here in round 1 for round 1 or round 2 for you um it would have to be mexico came in to the germany game not expected to like roll over and lose like 4-0 or whatever to germany but actually like should have won 3-0 if they had better like finishing but they're really good on the counter attack as well and Lozano is a standout pick for me and i just saw like earlier last night that he was linked to barcelona which is a bit quick but deserved deservedly so based on that performance yeah it's always interesting to watch mexico and i could see him a lot out here is uh you know they they're one of the big opposition for the us uh when it comes to concacaf and qualifying what not but it's always been Chicharito who's impressed me. Uh you know, he hasn't seemingly done much especially with West Ham last year and you know, he's bounced around Manchester United, but uh, he always seems to pick things up when he plays for his country. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure why, but uh Mexico is always one of those teams that I look to uh far in in a World Cup and for some reason they they sometimes struggle, but uh I think if Chicharito continues uh what he was doing, I, I do think Mexico uh can go pretty far in this cup. The only other team that I would mention here was uh, Argentina um sort of in in the negative light that it's been somewhat of a surprise that uh they are where they are and uh struggling just to get out of the uh the group stage. I I don't think anybody expected it. Um you know they sit on uh one goal for three goals against with just a single point tied with Iceland and uh they're looking up. I mean they they got to come big against Nigeria who's who's looked pretty good. Uh two good goals yesterday as uh, Nigeria uh defeated Iceland but uh, I think Argentina's got an uphill battle here and you never know Mar- Maradona may come out of the stands and take the helm for himself for this last game but uh I mean those those have been my two teams that I've been somewhat surprised about if we look at the players uh uh Aditya who's impressed you on the pitch so far which player uh again Russia's Denis Shcherbakov uh, he's played well in the last two games so he's been one player the next is Cristiano Ronaldo as usual he's playing his own way like in the sense carrying the entire team then another player is Diego Costa who has scored again three goals uh these three players have performed consistently well for the countries Everon your thoughts on uh, some of the better players here in the uh, tournament so far yeah so we all know about the Cristiano Ronaldos and the Diego Costas they're all big players they perform in big matches you know when we talk about someone who has stepped up someone who has looked like he could make the step up to a great player go to a great club uh, i looked at switzerland's game last night and there are a couple of players that stood out so uh, jardan shakiri the, he did play really well he was running the midfield he was creating all the chances and akanji in defense you know even in the first game and the second game he looked really solid he really looked he looked really confident on the ball and i i i'm really impressed with how he's performing Chris, your thoughts on uh, some of the uh, the players so far through a round and a half? Um, I feel like Luka Modric has really stepped up his game this um, tournament. Coming into the number ten role, two goals in two games has been the star for Croatia this tournament. And also Christian Eriksen, he is he is Mr. Denmark. Thirteen goals and five assists in the last fifteen games, single-handedly that got them to the World Cup and is delivering in the World Cup. So yeah. Yep, no, I completely agree. That that's uh, the one I was going to touch on if I uh, if nobody else got it. Yeah, it was uh, Christian Eriksen. He continues to do it for Denmark. He's pretty amazing. Uh 
when it comes to his on-the-pitch performance. Let's hope that carries over to FPL this year. Is uh, I know he's going to be one of the hot buys for many fantasy managers this year. Now, a, a controversial topic that I debated bringing up, VAR. I, for one, am not for it. Um, I guess I'll leave it at that. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of reviews so far through uh, 10 days of football, but uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on it, which you, uh, you guys may have seen it a little bit more than I have. They don't use it, as far as I know, over here in MLS. And I've only seen it used in the NFL, in, in, in you know, the gridiron football over here. But, uh, Varun, do you have any thoughts on VAR, good, bad? What do you think uh, for some of the decisions that have been made or overturned by the uh, video-assisted uh, referee? I think I'm still undecided on whether it is a good thing for football or not. I think if the system is improved, I think it needs improvement. A lot of improvement is still needed because I remember there are some decisions that are still being talked over, like why is this not given a penalty and why it was if not referred to VAR. So if if we are still going to do the, those kinds of debates, then what's the purpose of VAR is what I'm trying to say. So when we try to implement VAR, we just want all debate to go away. We want the correct decisions to be made each and every time. For offsides, I think VAR is a, a very good one because you don't want an offside goal to, you know, overturn uh, something and uh, it, it can change the result of the game. So I think it's still in, on in its early stages, but uh, over time it will be good good for the. Yeah, it seems controversy has uh, switched from, uh, you know, pointing fingers at the uh, on-pitch officials to uh, now the guys in the booth. Should this call or should this call have been reviewed? Should it not have been reviewed where, you know, you'll look at it, you know, in a replay one time on the pitch. Did the referee get the right call? Yes or no? You know, we go with it. There's no VAR. You go with what his call is on the pitch, but that his call could be the wrong call. But uh Aditya, what do you think? Uh, do you like VAR and how it's been used so far through uh, 10 days of the World Cup? Um, VAR is actually good, but uh, it tends to slow down the game a little bit. Like uh, in Russia, I think I suppose there is a three-second lag. Like the video referee gives the decision three seconds, whatever is going after the live game. So that lag is kind of an issue again here. So if the foul is give, not given and the ball is countered in the other half and if the other team scores there, then the decision is made. I don't know what is going to happen that way. So they have to clearly make the rules more easier. But uh, FIFA wants the game to be played in a fan manner. So I guess everyone should agree uh, using VAR. Yeah, two words that come to mind when I think of VAR. Transparency and consistency. I think both of those need to improve before this honestly gets rolled out to more leagues. I, I know the uh, Premier League was using it and uh, the Carabao Cup last year. But, um, Chris, what do you think? Is it ready to uh, actually be used full-time if uh, the Premier League decided to use it in the next couple of years? No, I don't think it would be um, ready. It's too, like, there's no efficiency in the, in the decisions. It's just like, this is given, this is not. There's still, like, inconsistencies. And yeah, not, it would cause, yeah. like, very big debates in the big leagues if they're implemented in that. Yeah, and some of the big leagues do use them. I know they, uh, I believe Bundesliga, Serie A, both uh, do use uh, a version of VAR. Well, I am all for goal line technology and like um, Aditya was saying, the offsides issue. I mean, those are two areas that, you know, goal line technology, VAR can be real useful, I feel. So let's uh, shift gears here for just a bit and touch on some English Premier League news. Uh, we do have some notes for the upcoming FPL season uh, with some of the EPL players participating 
in the uh, World Cup and what sort of ramifications that could have at the start of the season. And we'll also take a look at some of the new faces in England, and uh, we'll talk scheduling. So uh, schedules for uh, the EPL were released about 10 days ago, and there are some teams to highlight early on. Um, I'm looking here, some information from uh, FPL guidance as he's gone over the first eight games, and it's somewhat impressive to see. He's used his own scoring system here to uh, rate teams he feels are going to be good through the first eight weeks. Um, One team that I found somewhat surprising champions man city they play all the promoted sides from the last two years in the first eight games um burnley they look primed for a, a good start to the season uh could be full of some clean sheets everton under marco silva i mean silva did well last year early on with watford before uh he screwed things up and uh was ousted and finally man united they just have tottenham in their first eight weeks varun what do you think of some of the uh the early schedules for some of the uh, fpl team I think these teams will prove to be uh, the feeder for all of our FPL teams. I think when I hear, I hear the word Manchester City, the only word that comes into my mind is Leroy Zane because he didn't he didn't go to the World Cup. He will have the long, long holiday and he's going to be a very important player at the start of the season. So he could be a very, very important uh, one for our fantasy Premier League teams. As for Burnley, I think Burnley's defense is always has been and will be a part of our fantasy Premier League defences. So, I think we can keep our faith in them. As for Everton, will prove to be a good one this time, but we can we cannot say with new manager at home. Let's see. Yeah, we also have to reconsider Burnley maybe this year as they have Europa League, so we could see some further defensive rotations incoming. And that uh, could obviously be a, a consideration for managers uh, if and when they wildcard uh, after the first or second international break. Chris, uh, Liverpool's got a good start to the season. West Ham, Brighton, Leicester uh, through the first four games. Uh, what do you think? From a defensive aspect, we improved a lot last season. And I can see that continuing at the beginning of the season as well with the, the home, good home games. And also with Salah. I can see him continuing his goal-scoring form with Firmino and Mane. And with Salah's pricing, I could be leaning towards more of a Mane pick. DT, I also want to throw uh, two other teams here at you. Crystal Palace, uh, they, they have Liverpool. That's their only top six team they play in the first eight weeks. They get Fulham, Watford, Southampton, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Bournemouth, and Wolves. Would you consider uh, defensive assets or even some offensive assets um, – Zaha from from Crystal Palace to start the season. Yes, as you said rightly, if you just say Crystal Palace, the only player that all the FPL managers will just think about is Wilfred Zaha. But the thing here is they should begin their season with some ambition of achieving at least a place in the first ten. Like last season, they just you know faltered the beginning half of the season, went winless, didn't score under Frank de Boer, and then changed their manager. So if they change their mindset in a better way and you know, play more sort of attacking football, then we can consider them. Yeah, and another team I'm, I'm looking at here, Bournemouth, uh, the only top six team they have, game week four, away to Chelsea. Other than that, um, you know, Bournemouth, I mean, I think they have a lot to prove after last year. Some of their defensive assets fell short. We didn't have that Josh King type of player on Bournemouth to pick up the pieces last season. Uh, any thoughts on Bournemouth, uh, Varun? Uh- Bournemouth players at this moment, I am not looking at uh, with much interest because they 
didn't have a standout player last year. Josh King, the year before, uh, suddenly became the epitome of consistency. But last year, due to injuries and all uh, that, he, he didn't play a run of games. So, probably him if he starts the season well, because he isn't going to the World Cup as well. So, I don't see many that that can be you know, taken from that team. Maybe Jordan I uh, as uh, want to look at. And Chris, the final team, Manchester United, runners-up uh, last year. Again, Tottenham, their only top six. That's game week three. Uh, they seem to have a pretty pretty easy schedule. Leicester, Brighton, Burnley, Watford, Wolves, West Ham, uh, West Ham, and Newcastle through their first eight. Now, remember, this is just the first eight games of the season. You know, we don't know what's going to happen yet. But uh, your thoughts on uh, United, Chris? Um, I feel like they'll keep on doing their defensive duties under Mourinho. And the hair will again be a standout pick for goalkeepers. Probably six mil price, but still worth it. Um, midfield, I'd see Pogba and even Sanchez because I see him being lesser priced next season, probably 10.5. So they could be good in all fronts. Also Lukaku, but Lukaku will be a bit fatigued from the World Cup depending how far Belgium go. Yeah, the uh, Alexi Sanchez uh, sort of allows us to segue into players not competing in the World Cup this season. Alexi Sanchez, probably one of the biggest names, Marcus Alonso, um, Alexander Lacazette, Anthony Martial. Uh, we already brought up Leroy Sané. Those are some of the big names who have, you know, their nations either did not get in or these players weren't selected. Lacazette, Martial, Sané being three of them. Uh, do these players have an advantage coming back then uh, for FPL managers? As we uh, look at the first couple of game weeks, uh, Aditya, what do you think? Would you like Sanchez or Alonso, even Lacazette, to start your season? Uh, Sanchez could be a very good pick uh, since he is now going to be involved in most of the set pieces. So if he's priced around 10.5, I think he will be a little bit less compared to Lukaku in terms of price. So Sanchez could be a good pick from Manchester United. Now, in terms of Alonso, I'm not sure if Chelsea's rumored new manager, Sari, will play as a left back or left wing back. So, I'm not sure whether Alonso will be involved in most of the attacking points. Uh, regarding Lacazette is there from Arsenal, and even uh, Obama Yang is also there. So, they could be also two players to watch out from Arsenal's attack now. Yeah, good call. I forgot about Obama Yang. Martial, he may be on the, on the move. We're not sure yet. Leroy Sané, again. Um, Manchester City have a, a pretty solid start to the season. Granted, they have Arsenal away to begin the season, but they have a, a good run of five. Uh, Chris, would you consider uh, Leroy Sané a, a, a must-have early in the season? Um, definitely, based on his form from last season and the fact that he's rested throughout this whole World Cup because he wasn't picked to represent Germany. So he'll be the most fit and probably the most likely to start. So, And he's very explosive and can perform really well. So, yeah. yeah I threw some other names together here. Uh, Gerald Janmart, um, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Patrick van Arnholt, uh, Nathan Ake, Kurt Zuma, another name out there. Laporte uh, from um, City, uh, Mustafi, Fabregas, and uh, Morata. I, I mean, those are some other big names who are, are not in the World Cup this year. Granted, not all of them will, will be in our starting 11, but uh, you know, I think some of those names are, are viable when it comes to uh, FPL assets uh, going forward. But we'll just have to wait and see uh, how the season kicks off, how things transpires, and most importantly, where the prices end up. Uh, when they're released by FPL Towers. So uh, let's move into some summer transfers. The window's open, and we do have some new players in the FPL. 
Uh, Varuna, anybody you want to highlight before I hit some uh, of the ones I put together on this list? I think uh, uh, not many of the transfers that are very, the big ones haven't been done. I don't, I don't think they'll be done before the World Cup. So uh, we'll have to wait for that. Uh, but as of yet, I think Ricardo Pereira at Leicester uh, seems a very interesting option because he, he is a very highly rated uh, right back uh, and uh, a right back that can get some assists and uh, we could we could have a really uh, big asset on our hands. Yeah, I think the same can be said for Johnny Evans. I mean, Robert Huth is gone and um, their other uh, center defender, um, Wes Morgan, may be on his way out. Johnny Evans may not be a bad shot either from Leicester City. Chris, uh, any thoughts on some of the uh, early summer transfers you've seen uh, come into the uh, English... Premier League so far? Um, for Huddersfield, Congola, whenever he played for them, they were solid in defence. So he's a really good signing. Also, um, for Arsenal, Vern Lehner, very good goalkeeper, very experienced for such a young age. And, of course, Liverpool with Naby Keita. He's just quality. Yeah, interesting. Vern Leno, 230 appearances for Leverkusen over seven seasons. Emery says he's high quality and experienced. Uh, do you think he's an improvement from uh, keepers they had last year at Arsenal? Um, definitely check. <laughs> yeah, check check getting on an age. Yeah, experience. Uh, yeah, hopefully Leno brings uh, a little more credibility to that defense and a few more clean sheets. Uh, Aditya, uh, what do you think of um, some of the other transfers here? Uh, Lucas Fabianski, he joins West Ham. Now he joins with Adrian and Joe Hart. Who's going to start goal for the uh, Hammers this year? Uh, it's undoubtedly Lucas Fabianski will be the main man. And then probably on the bench, it will be Adrian. I don't know. Johar isn't a permanent signing, I suppose. I think he'll go back to City. Yeah, interesting how quickly Johar has fallen out of favor with the arrival of uh, Guardiola in <laughs> City. But uh, Fabianski is the real deal. 181 appearances, 51 clean sheets. And I believe if I read the statistic right, he's the, he's the top goalkeeper in saves over the last three years. So uh, that's a really good signing for West Ham. Also, um, Issa Diop, 21-year-old defender from Toulouse. He's getting um, some big accolades uh, in West Ham circles. Had 34 tackles. That's uh, only second to, I believe it was, um, their wingback who gets down the side. I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he could be a big uh, BPS defender this season in the FPL. Um, Navi Keita was already mentioned. Um, what about, uh, uh, Varun, what about the uh, signing of uh, Sporting Lisbon's goalkeeper, Rui Patricio, for uh, Wolverhampton, who've just come up to the Premier League? Four years, 460 appearances. Uh, he's got all sorts of championship league experiences, Europa League runouts. Most importantly, 179 clean sheets. That's got to prove useful this year for Wolverhampton as they return to the uh, top flight, wouldn't you think? He's a very experienced goalkeeper, both for club and country. And I think he's a very good acquisition, especially for free. So uh, let's see how the defense in front of him is at first. But uh, given that they are a newly promoted side, he probably will get a lot of safe points as well as a few clean sheets. So he could be a good option, depending upon his price, could be a very good option. We caught the, uh, the World Cup hangover. The uh, English Premier League starts August 11th, uh, quarterfinals through the finals. Uh, take place basically all the July final World Cup game, July 14th. That gives a lot of these players involved in the World Cup less than a month of rest. As we know, some players return to their their uh, club 
and may end up sitting out the first month or so. I remember Alexi Sanchez, he was out for a couple of, a couple of months. Um, what are your plans for some of the returning players in your early season squads? Uh, Chris? Um, not really Kane. This is August. And he's going to be like 12 mil. And I've had like bad experiences with captaining him in August. So it's a void for him. Yeah, you're not alone. We are not alone. <laughs> exactly. Varun, what do you think? Uh, some of these players who return from the Cup, are you going to avoid them? You're just going to take a, a wait-and-see approach when it comes to uh, their inclusion uh, in, in your starting 11. It depends on the particular player, uh, I think, because, you know, some of the players, uh, maybe they play a couple of uh, uh, preseason games and see how fresh they are. So, like, if Romelu Lukaku is probably going to be the first first team striker of Manchester United anyways. And uh, a lot of these players are uh, returning early as well. Like, Mohamed Salah will return early after the group stages. And uh, uh, we're seeing a few surprises here and there. Maybe a few of the other big teams get eliminated early as well. So, we can't say about that. Aditya, you take one of these two players to build around for the first few game weeks. You select Harry Kane or Mohamed Salah, both coming off World Cup uh, travels to Russia. Who do you take? Um, I think I'll take Mohamed Salah because he's going to be reaching, I guess, quite earlier since they are out of the group stages now in the World Cup. So, it's going to be Salah. Okay, but again, Kane, again, last year, entire August, he blanked. So, I mean, for past consecutive two years, he has blanked in the month of August again. So, I don't really believe this, but we never know. He may bang a hat-trick in the first game itself for Spurs in the month of August. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here as these players return to their clubs. And, uh, you know, some with new managers, uh, some with fatigue. Um as we get into uh, preseason-type games. Uh, so what do we have forward to look now in round three in the World Cup? Uh, group A, as we know, Russia, Uruguay, both advance. Uh, group B, Spain, Portugal on four points. What do you think for uh, Iran? Do they still have a shot at, at getting out of uh, Group B as they play Portugal? Chris, your thoughts? Um, as I said before, it's not possible, but it's not. it's very unlikely especially with um, their next game. So, yeah, surprises. Well, this World Cup has been very, like, big surprises, so it wouldn't be any different if they just won and went through with Spain or Portugal. Hey, Varun, what about Morocco? They've only given up two goals. They play Spain, Spain off something of a a very unimpressive win over Iran. Does Morocco have enough to uh, beat Spain? Not that that's going to make much difference for Morocco. But, um, I mean, a loss with Spain and even a tie for Iran, you never know. Anything's possible, right? The thing with Morocco is I don't see them how they can score a goal because they don't have uh, a striker that you can uh, say, like, he's going to score the goals. Hakim Ziyech, uh, he tries to do some stuff, but they just don't seem to have uh, that that presence up top, Diego Costa-like or a fast pace, somebody who could make something happen. They are solid defensively. Maybe they can keep Spain out over 90 minutes, but I don't think they have enough for a win. At max, they can probably look for a draw. What, what do we think of France? Aditya, what do you think of France? They play Denmark. Who, who's got the uh, best shot? France and Denmark. Uh, I guess so France should win this game, but it's a must-win game for Denmark. So if they win, 
Suppose get a draw, I'm not sure whether Australia will go through on goal difference. So I think France have the upper hand as of now, but we we may never know what will happen in the game. Yeah, and it's sort of unfortunate Peru. They're like I said, I think they're the best uh, winless team in the competition. They've they've looked good going forward. They've looked good on defense, but uh, they've just been unfortunate uh, on the scoreboard as uh, they've have no goal scored and they've given up two and. Unfortunately, they won't qualify. Actually, they've been eliminated, excuse me, from uh, from the competition. So they'll be going home. Uh, as we move to Group D, I'm somewhat surprised to see Croatia on top. Six points, two wins, five goals. Now, granted, three of those came at the hands of Argentina after they were uh, down and more or less out after that uh, that 50, what was it, 53rd-minute goal. And uh, it was just injury to insult with Modric and uh, Rakitic adding on there at the end of the uh, end of the campaign. Um, what do we think, uh, Chris? What do you think uh, when it comes to Group D? You have Nigeria and Croatia, the top two. Argentina, Iceland. Who who moves out of that group? Um, for me, it would be Croatia and Argentina, but Croatia on top. And it's no surprise for me because I saw their team before the World Cup started, and it really stuck out to me because they're not they're a whole team of like decent players. But not like and one world class player. They're not a team of like two world class and then three like all average. They're like good quality. So it wasn't a surprise for me. And uh, as we move on to to Group E, Brazil and Switzerland uh, each have a win and a draw, four points. They're looking to advance out of that group stage. Costa Rica already eliminated. That just leaves Serbia. Uh, Serbia's been somewhat impressive unfortunately they lost to switzerland yesterday on the 90 minute uh shakiri goal but uh serbia looking pretty decent um do they have a shot final game against brazil it's going to be a big test for them do they have enough to beat brazil and possibly squeak uh into one of the top two spots and uh advance varun i don't see them going through now because the brazil are really you know solid a uh, solid center back pairing and uh, the main threat going forward was uh, from the headers uh, that Alexander Mitrovic used to score. They don't have much uh, creativity uh, out wide. Tadic just puts the ball in into the box, and that's how they probably score most of their goals. So I don't see them uh, beating Brazil. So I think Brazil and Switzerland to go through. Aditya, what do you look most forward to out of the round three here from uh, all these uh, upcoming games? Uh, what do you what do you think uh, some of these teams would need to do in order to advance out of the group stage? I guess the teams that have already qualified for the round of 16, they just need to ease and maybe play their remaining players who are on the bench to give everybody a chance of minutes. So those teams that are on brink of qualification now, they need to step up their game. Otherwise, they will get themselves eliminated in the later stages. And uh, finally, the uh, the big four, as we you know have been calling Brazil, Germany, Spain, Portugal. Um, we think they're all going to rebound, move on to uh, to the next round. Chris, what do you think about those big four? If you want to consider them big six, you can tell us you're going Mexico in there as well. But uh, what do you think of those the, those four or six teams? Uh, do you like any of them's favorites to uh, win the World Cup? Uh, well, out of them six, Brazil. Because they already bounced back from a disappointment in round one. And for me, Germany will bounce back in the game with Sweden. And they'll make it through and probably go far. And Mexico, 
is a wait and see to see if they can maintain it. And yeah, Ruben, we haven't talked much about England. Um, they've only had one match uh, against Tunisia. They still have uh, matches against Panama and then Belgium. What about England? Do they have an outside shot at uh, winning the World Cup? I think they can realistically think of the semi-final at the very least uh, uh, because the teams around them faltering. They could end up playing the easier games in the quarterfinals and the round of 16. And once you get to that stage, once you get to the semi-finals, you are full of confidence. You know you are very close. So at the semi-final stage, it, it could go anywhere. So why not? I do think England do have a chance, but a very outside chance. It would still be a very, very unlikely win if England put it off. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Aditya, your final thoughts on uh, what we have to look forward to uh, finishing games of round two and uh, upcoming round three games. Any final thoughts? Uh, I guess we clearly know who are going through and who are not and who have a chance now going through. So it's the same thing again. I mean, uh, Portugal and Spain, they will perform well because they have to go through. Um, again, in Group E, the Serbia team, I don't know. Again, there's a lot of confusion there. If Serbia, they do have the potential of beating Brazil. Kind of difficult now. And Chris, your final thoughts on um, teams moving forward in the 2018 World Cup? Um, for the group stage, it's been very like unpredictable and results haven't gone the way. But I feel like once the group stage comes out, it will become very, um, not to say predictable, but the likely winners will win. And I could see the, the big four, as we call them, being in the, the quarters and probably take, making up the semis as well. And we do have uh, one question I want to throw out there from uh, Stay Shining, uh, Brian McWara. Uh, he's asked, uh, been struggling with good midfield options. They've tried Savic, Leun, Busquets, Yach, Golovin, but no real returns and consistency. I know we've talked a little bit about midfielders. Anybody want to throw some names out there when uh, we look at midfielders going forward? Uh, into round or into into round three and beyond. Who would you suggest to uh, start in your midfield, Chris? Um, Coutinho, who's scored in both games and been instrumental to Brazil, and Modric, who's pretty much the same as Coutinho. Varun, your thoughts on uh, a midfield or a midfield pairing uh, moving forward? I think uh, Bernardo Silva of Portugal. He did seem really involved, so I can see him getting. Uh, some chance in the future. He's available at 8 million, I think. And uh, Denis Cherushev again. He has been a revelation for the Russian team. So those two options from me. And Aditya, who would you suggest for uh, a midfield pairing? Uh, the pair, I think the first person I would choose will be Paul Pogba. I mean, nobody has even spoken about him a lot. But in the sense, he along with Giroud are the only people who are creating most of the attacking chances for France. So, I guess Paul Pogba could be a player and Felipe Coutinho from Brazil. All right. Good enough. Well, lads, thanks a lot. Uh, it's been a good uh, good podcast. Appreciate all the uh, inside information. Uh, answers to some of the questions. Uh, we get ready for uh, day 10 of the World Cup. And uh, hopefully we look forward to uh, some more podcasts here at the uh, Academic of Vertex. For now, uh, from the three guys, from Varun, Chris, And Aditya, I'm Steven again. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.